The MLS season is starting up very, very soon, so Jack and I preview and give predictions for the MLS Western Conference this season. We talk about the strengths, the weaknesses, major transfers, and where every single team we think will fall. It's a great time. Definitely stick around. Hopefully we don't roast your team too much, but no promises at all. Definitely give us a rating and a review if you enjoy the show. Give us a follow on Twitter. All those links will be down below for you. Yeah, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another deep dive episode of The Final Third. My name is Jack. I'm a fan of Chelsea, Atalanta, Minnesota United, which is very relevant for today's discussion, and the French and U.S. national teams. And as always, I'm joined here on this wonderful Wednesday evening with AJ. <laughs> yes, I am AJ Tabura, one of the co-hosts, a fan of the U.S. national teams, West Ham United, and as Jack mentioned, very, very pertinent to today's episode, Minnesota United. We'll be talking about them and the other 13 Western Conference teams in today's MLS 2022 Western Conference preview and predictions. Yes, Last Thursday, we talked about the Eastern Conference, the strengths and weaknesses of every single team, and where we view them, you know, going around the table, like, not exactly exactly where they might go, but putting them into tiers into where we think they may fall. And today, it's no different. We're talking about the Western Conference this time, though. And Jack, if you had to choose Western versus Eastern Conference, which conference are you picking? Uh, Western, 100%. It's got yes. Minnesota United in it, and also I feel like the con- competition in there is a little bit more intense every year. It yeah. always feels a little bit more intense. Yeah, it, it always uh, feels like we're just, all the teams are just cannibalizing each other because it's just so, so competitive to the point where, at least for me, Jack, trying to predict where these teams would fall, even if it was just putting them into different tier lists, was very, very hard. Like, I... I could I could have put one team either on the top or maybe even towards the bottom middle, you know? Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. It's very difficult to try and rank these teams, especially like I made a few notes of some teams that kind of fall between the tiers for me. Like, yeah. uh, you know, and some of these I could be completely underestimating them. Uh, so, you know, that that's also an invitation reminder to you. If, if, if we get your team completely wrong, tell us on Twitter. Let us know what you yes, think. About exactly. It. Uh, join in the yeah. conversation on there. Yeah, and that's at Twitter, at Final Third Show, and at Final Third Show on Instagram, finalthirdshow.com. All those links will be down below if you want to shout at us or maybe say that we're spot on. Uh, and yeah, let's get into it. We're going to be covering all 14 teams in the Western Conference, going over their strengths, their weaknesses, their major transfers, and finally, where we think they'll fall in the overall western conference table and because jack and our are minnesota united fans in fact he's wearing a jersey of minnesota united's right AJ's now favorite They're playing kind of jersey a plain yeah, white one pl- plain white yes well uh and minnesota united are playing right now so i thought why don't we start with the team that we both love jack let's talk about the minnesota united's major transfers what do you see as the major outgoing and incoming transfers. Well, there's a lot of major outgoing transfers. Uh, 
like to say the very least, you know, you've got Ethan Finlay who heads out on over to Austin FC, you've got Ozzy Alonso over to Atlanta. Jan Gregush had his contract option declined and he's going over to uh, San Jose. I've, I, I forgot for a second. Yeah. Uh, I'm still trying to erase the fact that he's not a loons player from my mind because he was one of my favorites. Uh, I think those cover like the major three transfers unless I'm completely missing one, but I'm pretty sure those are like the main three that, that have taken place. Yeah. The, the main three, uh, there's some other ones that we declined, uh, the offer to extend them like Noah Billingsley, whatever. Right. But I think two others that at least saw a good amount of minutes was uh, Yuka Raitala, which is our backup fullback, and Juan Aguadello, who was our backup striker. Two, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say they really moved the needle, but yeah, those three <laughs> you mentioned, Jan Gregush, former designated player, Ethan Finley, who I want to say has been at the club since 2017 or 2018. Yep, 2017, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, uh, who my friend uh, Ozzy Alonso uh, came in in 2019 was part of our you know welcoming into Allianz Field was a very good club captain he leaves as well going into the incoming transfers and this is where it gets really interesting because we actually went on to uh, the stateside show a uh, podcast to talk to Logan and Jordan about Minnesota United and at least I was I was kind of worried that Minnesota United weren't going to bring in the right amount of reinforcements to materially improve compared to last year. And overall, I, I, I am at least content with the, the transfers that we brought in. We brought in just today, Kervin Ariaga of Marathon in Honduras, 24-year-old uh, defensive midfielder. And I think that kind of maybe replaces Ozzy Alonso. Not exactly one-for-one one player-wise, but it gives us some more depth in the defensive midfield also brought on apparently jack's favorite player abu Dunladi, uh, who <laughs> don't don't twist my words here i said he had a good run in this game that that's going on right now yes yes <laughs> I, I was joking with jack uh I, I, abu, abu Dunladi, who has been with the club uh before he was our first pick in a super draft hasn't played too well for either us or Nashville, where he was eventually picked up in the expansion draft because of a lot of injuries, but he's back with us. We also picked up O'Neill Fisher uh, from LA Galaxy, which is a veteran left back. Uh, Eric Dick, a, a goalkeeper backup, maybe third or even fourth choice. Fourth. I think yeah. fourth choice at this point. Uh, we, we also picked up from the super draft forward, Tani Oluwayesi. Sure. Oluwayesi, yeah. Yes. And we are rumored to potentially be picking up uh, Luis Amaria, who ha was on loan to us before, had had a couple of good games, got some goals, but eventually got injured. Uh, he might return to back up or fight for the starting spot with our current starter striker, uh, Unu. So those are the major transfers. Jack, overall with those transfers, do you, do you see that as a, as a net positive compared to last year? How do you view that? I, I view I, I think we've done a good job filling in for the players that we lost that that I that that's that's what I'm content with saying uh, I think we could have strengthened in better area in other areas like you know I, it would have been nice to get more center backs specifically yes. young center backs that right uh, or at least younger that aren't you know 
on the verge of retirement, it seems, every week. You know, uh, yeah. that I'm wearing a Boxel jersey right now. No hate <laughs> to, to Michael Boxel, but uh, can't deny that he's not exactly as young and spry as he used to be. But uh, that that's that I, I feel like there, there's some good transfers in there, especially yeah. if we get Amaria. I was a huge fan of him when he came in. Mm-hmm. I would love to see him come in now. Yeah, I, I should also mention uh, Long Wayne, uh, who we brought in from South South Africa. Maybe not not going to be a slot in kind of player right now, but maybe for the second team he'll feature as well as uh, some sub minutes for us. And to address the center back issue, it looks like we have been linked with uh, Otavio, who is a, a, a younger center back. I'm forgetting which team he's from, but yes, I think. Jumping into the weaknesses right away, I, I think uh, one of our weaknesses that has been exposed before is our older backline. All of them, except for Gasper, are over 30, and Gasper even has a tendency to get caught out of position sometimes. A and lot. so, yeah. And, and so, not having the legs to keep up if there's a fast striker has bit our butts in the past and put a lot of pressure on our goalkeepers, Tyler Miller and Dane St. Clair. And so, I think that is. A major weakness that needs to be addressed in the transfer market. Uh, but beyond that, let's talk about some of the strengths, Jack. The first strength I want to address is that front four. Going on from last year, Unu, Lud, Reynoso, Fragapane. I think on their day, they're one of the better front fours in terms of attack. And I, I really think if they can link together and make sure that all the attacks are rather even, so it's not just Reynoso having to pull the strings, but... Lud can maybe make something happen and link up with Fragapane on the other side. I think that has a, a huge, huge potential to be a very scary front four if all four players can get really, really going. What what else do you see as a strength, Jack? Uh, I, I think our midfield is actually a, a strength as well. I'd, I'd agree too, yeah. I, I think Will Trap gets quite a bit of hate sometimes i, I think from uh, especially from usmnt fans who live in the past and yeah, uh, sure. and think about him but uh he he's been very he was very good for us last season so far as i would say he was one of our best players right uh and he's actually looking it looks like he's going to be our captain uh for nice. a lot of games he's captaining the game currently uh that against rsl and He's been great in midfield. He he controls the game. He's not going to be the one that puts in like those tackles every time, but he's a deep line playmaker and that's pretty good. Uh, and he he does it well. And he's partnered with, you know, now Curvin Ariaga, who looks like a really good signing. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you said filling in the Ozzy Alonso role, uh but may, maybe not necessarily being like being in the exact same profile, but I I think that that midfield looks really good yeah and not to mention Hassani Dotson who has right. slotted in there before I'm really excited about Ariaga. I think he might be an underrated signing in MLS because he can actually let us unlock our midfield before because before we were kind of relying on both of our uh, central midfielders to play a little bit more deeper because like you said Will Trap isn't really known to be kind of the enforcer type and so you need to have both those midfielders kind of guarding that back line. And maybe Kervin Ariaga can help alleviate that issue. And maybe Dotson or even Trap can be a little bit more advanced in their role. I agree. Those are, you know, two very good strengths. Another strength I should mention before we go into some of the weaknesses, 
goalkeeping, unless we trade uh, either Tyler Miller or Dane St. Clair, I think both of them are very, very good to the point that I think, honestly, Dane St. Clair has to be, if he is the backup, one of the better backups in MLS. I think, yeah, honestly, he is starter quality in my mind. And it all just depends on if we keep him or if we trade him or if we trade Miller. Either way, very, very cool. All right, Jack. Weaknesses. Let's hear him. What do you have? Um, hmm, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of like the the biggest ones besides the the center back issue that you mentioned because it is a big problem. I think one problem, and this isn't to say that I think he's awful, but Adrian Heath can be a weakness at times. I, I, I was I was I had that written down. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, in that he he's a bit caught in his own ways. He he sometimes doesn't use young players enough when they Uh could be very useful and very helpful. Uh, And he also sometimes tends to hold off on substitutions, which, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it would be nice if maybe we could make some substitutions earlier on uh, rather than waiting until the 80th minute to make like three substitutions and they're all defensive oriented. And also Mm -hmm. we, we, we can't uh, talk about Heath without mentioning that he likes to play for a point in away games. And that's right. it. That's the maximum. Uh, anything a win in an away game for Minnesota United is a mistake. Sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like that. That's what that's what it feels like. So uh, I I think that that's a bit of a weakness. That is, and I I will say I don't hate him, but I think he has held us back on those fronts. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree. Uh, I think the way that he manages sometimes isn't the best because last season you look at the fact that we started zero and four. That's fine. That's fine. We we went to the playoffs, but we never really looked convincing. In fact, I, I always point to the games where uh, we 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 were actually up a man. The other team got a red card, and we actually dropped seven points while playing a man up, which is the most in MLS. And then you look at the fact that he is supposedly a striking a, a striker whisperer, as he he would like to put it, and. Our goal scoring was a huge issue last uh, last year, and really, like that that that's such a huge issue for me because we we scored forty two goals last year, which was the least of any Western Conference playoff team. In fact, it was a uh, third least or fourth least. No, yeah, third least. Only Austin FC and Houston Dynamo did worse than us in terms of goal scoring. That's terrible company to be around, <laughs> and that's not to say that there's no really good service because Reynoso is an MVP caliber player. He's in top the he's in the top five percent of MLS in terms of progressive passes, carries, and dribbles. But the likes of Unu weren't able to convert those chances. So major weakness that we need to address is if either Unu or hopefully if Luis Amaria comes in, they if they can score those goals. Maybe an Abu Dunladi if he can get them. Another major weakness uh, is actually our midfield now because uh, we just got news that Will Trapp just got injured in the preseason game that's happening right now. So yeah, hopefully, it doesn't look good. He was being treated for like two or three minutes, and Joseph Rosales is on instead. Okay, well, so here's to hoping is okay because <laughs> kind of important. Yeah, kind of important. Well, Jack, uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully uh, your prediction for Minnesota didn't you know hinge on him. But where do you have Minnesota United finishing in the West? This is one of the teams that I was very between tiers on because I think 
if everything goes right, the ceiling for this team is like third or fourth. Mm-hmm. But if everything goes wrong, I could easily see them going down to like ninth. Wow. <laughs> so like okay. that that's I, I feel like they're a very vile like uh they have a lot of variability in that. Yeah. I put them in fourth, perhaps bias, but they always seem to, no matter how bad they do, finish <laughs> in or out like recently at least, the last three seasons, finish around fourth or fifth place. So yeah. I have them I could see them in fifth or fourth. I put them in fourth. I let my bias come through a little bit on that, but yeah, that that's that's how I see it. I, I think tier 1.5 i guess is the right way to say yes it. yeah uh well yeah i mean i, I think i let my bias show through because i also have them in fourth and just so the listeners know the way that i think we're tiering it is the top four are like th- those top contenders the next three are like the playoff teams the next four out so spots eight through 11 are on the bubble might come in and 12 through 14 kind of the basements and so fourth you know that's a home playoff game i i think if all goes well they can do that i i think in fact i I think their ceilings even higher than that maybe even second place it all depends on if that midfield can get clicking and more importantly if that striking situation can get going and i guess if we get a young center back but you know (laughs) our, our defense is fine as it is we just need that reinforcement i think the x factor for minnesota united is if they if that striker whoever it is uno or amaria can convert the chances that reynoso makes for them all right so now we're gonna go into the other teams not gonna go as in-depth because minnesota united of course is our team so we will talk about them can't talk about them ad nauseum but now we're gonna go just randomly through the western conference teams and talk about them jack and i uh split them up not evenly i have six he has seven uh but yeah let's get into these teams and the first one according to the magic spinning wheel is austin fc which is one of my teams austin fc is going into their sophomore season after a a pretty you know decent inaugural season all things considered yes they struggled yes they got 12th out of 13th in the west but off the field and even on the field as josh wolf was building his team you saw kind of what they were going towards what they wanted to be so I think overall, it was an encouraging inaugural season. They did make some moves coming ahead to their second season. Uh, Matt Besler, retired, legend, legendary MLS player. Uh, Pochettino, who wasn't that great for them, was loaned to River Plate. And uh, Sweat was, is off to uh, Sporting KC. And they did bring in a lot of players. Ethan Finley of Minnesota United previously. Very, very good veteran right winger. I think he's going to be... Very, very good for them. Uh, you also have a uh, forward Max Uriti from Houston Dynamo, who now has played for every single Texas team. He just loves Texas, apparently, <laughs> and the no income tax or something. Just wants to stay there. Uh, we also have a central midfielder Felipe, Felipe Martins, who they brought in uh, as a free agent. Pretty good pickup for cheap. Uh, center back Ruben Gabrielson and center back... Uh, or, sorry, yeah. So he's the center back, sorry. And these are all parts of the the team that they needed to improve so a a lot of good movement there building off what they had before strengths i think stuver is a great goalkeeper that uh really kept austin in he was all-star caliber he was on his day mvp caliber so i think that's really good ring is a designated player now 
but he's still one of the best in MLS as a ball-progressing uh, central midfielder, and his quality will define how well they do. That's how good his uh, his cr- chance creation is, is if he is playing well, you know that Austin will also be playing well. And really, I think the main strength coming into the season is just how much higher quality their players are compared to last season. I don't think if they, they had a you know, pretty decent starting 11 for an inaugural team, but the depth just was not there. And now that they have some higher quality players, some players that uh, will have a full season to play in, I think we can expect some more fluid lineups, uh, some more switching rotation because you have a better pool of players. Uh, weaknesses, and this is where things get really dicey, Austin FC were not scoring many goals at all. In fact, they scored uh, the least amount in all of MLS, only 35, which is bad. They gave up 56, which is, you know, par for the course for inaugural team, but 55 is something that should maybe be improved on. So what they need is some proven goal scoring. Luckily, they have, uh, I'm I'm sorry if I mispronounce this, Dejit, Jit, but he will be in, I believe for the full season after coming in uh, last season, midway through, and he also needs him, uh, Dominguez, and Driussi to really step up their scoring. And if they can, they'll they'll do much better than before in the goal scoring uh, uh, section of their game. They had a run of only 1.01 XG over 11 games last season, so this is a section that they need to improve. And I think... Giving giving them a, another full season to go, some of them who only had a half season will do them wonders, and that's why I had them not actually improving that much. It's it's a huge ask to always improve, but I think that regardless, they'll do better points wise. I have them still in thirteenth place, just one off of uh, the bottom. I know I said a lot of good things about them, but still, I do see them improving, even if it's not in the standings. Jack, where do you have them? Yeah, you mentioned a lot of things that I agree with. Brad Stuver, great goalkeeper, uh, really, really like some of the saves he pulls off. He, I, I feel like MLS has a tendency to have some really underrated goalkeepers that just make good saves a lot. Uh, and uh-huh. he definitely falls into that category. Uh, I think you were mentioning Dejite. Is is, is that Dejite? Who? That's I, probably huge. I, I feel yep, like yep. that's who, I, I feel like that's who you were you were mentioning, but. Uh, Wait, yeah, so um, yeah, yeah. but I I feel like they they've got some good players in there. Alex Ring, of course, great player, but I also have them in thirteenth as well. Wow. I, I don't I don't have it's it's weird. We've agreed on two already. Uh, yes, but uh, yeah, Austin FC. I feel like they will do better as well. Uh, but I wanted that to see them add more strike power was okay. the was the main thing in this window, and I'm not sure if that's really been accomplished well enough i i I still think that digite as i now have learned is uh how you pronounce his name i i I still think that he has that ability to be a a good striking uh force for them it just really comes down to can that happen and that's kind of a wait and see thing i honestly think that they can move out of that my my basement ranking for them towards the playoff bubble if that can happen and happen consistently and I wouldn't. I would not be surprised at all if that does. All right, let's move on to another team. Let's see if we agree with them now. Next one is Sporting Kansas City, which is another one of my teams. Overall, major transfers. 
re-signing Zussi and Espinoza. Zussi, of course, is a legend in MLS and especially SKC. Uh, signed center back Ford from Colorado. Cool, I guess. Overall strengths for SKC, I think. You, you, you cannot talk about SKC without talking some of their attacking talent, especially last season, because it was on full effect. I'm talking about uh, Shaloy, who scored 16 goals, and Johnny Russell, who was a great winger that had 0.79 goals or assists per game in his time at SKC. Honestly, like w- one of the better signings to come out of MLS in that time. Uh, also scored 15 goals, and the two of them, uh, Soloy and Russell, combined for yeah 32 goals last season. So very, very, very good. Overall, I also have to mention how underrated uh, Fontas is as a defender. Who has a he has a passing ability that SKC need to succeed. Very good at progressive passes, even as a center back. He leads the league in passing with 2,500 plus passes last season. Very, very good. And I, I think when you highlight SKC, you talk about the the, the strikers, the, the the forwards, you know, the center backs, and all of them also play a pretty pretty big role there. The weaknesses for SKC, and I think every SKC fan will probably agree, uh, has to be the fact that Polito has been injured and will be out for the entire season. So the question is, biggest weakness here, who is that replacement? It took Saloy and Russell having legitimately MVP caliber seasons, the both of them, to reach the point where they did last season. So can they do it again? They'll need a good replacement in order for... Uh, in in order to get kind of a a backup in case they can't perform at that level. And overall, I think that's possible, but I also want to see them be a little bit stronger defensively. They can get exposed on transition and have averaged 1.2 goals against per game, and the seasons that they have done better in and won trophies gone far in the playoffs are the, the seasons where they don't concede as many goals as that. So you know, I, I look at this team, I look at some of the good players that they brought in, maybe like Ben Sweat and the players that are already in there. Tim Melia, of course, is a great goalkeeper. Uh, Gaddy Kinda, uh, Johnny Russell, who I've already mentioned, uh, Espinoza. All these players have the ability to do well. Losing Polito is a huge hit, though. But maybe I, I, I'm too optimistic for them, but I think even without Polito, who ha- was out for large stretches last season, I think they can manage maybe falling a little bit in points wise, but I have them in a third of place uh, this season. Jack, where do you have SKC? Uh, I'm not as optimistic about okay. uh, SKC. I, I think they, they did good last season. They, they, they definitely did. That's undeniable. <laughs> they, but they, they have lost some good center backs. They, I, I also think while Tim Melia has been good, he's definitely not as good as he used to be. Sure. And uh, I'm not sure if, I, if I'm 100% confident that Russell and Shalloway can recreate those seasons. Like, th- those, I, I, I highly doubt that they'll have, like, that both of them will have as productive as seasons. And that's to say that I, di- that I have them in Tier 2, Okay. And I have them in sixth. Oh wow! Uh, I, All right, like they their record signing 
in Alan Pulido is out for the whole season. There's no, there, there's pretty much no chance he comes back for part of the season. Yeah. And SKC have made zero moves in the market to get a, ba- a backup striker. Even if it's like a one-year contract there, it seems like they're going to trust a 17 year old uh, is, is what it looks like. I, I, for, I don't think they will. I, I think they'll I, get, uh, get a player. I don't, I don't know because Vermes doesn't panic by that often. So I, I'm not. I'm not completely convinced by by this team. Also, so, so, so would you rather them panic by? Like, I, not, I, I, I think that I think the okay. the move is get like a one year loan or something like that. You know, try uh-huh. or try and try and get someone on a one year contract. Like, there's got to be someone in free agency out there that that you can get. But I I feel like you you have to have at least someone with some experience up there because otherwise your attack's going to lack a lot of fluidity. And I I think that's going to hurt them quite a bit. Uh, that being said, Peter Vermees is still a good coach. So that's why I don't have them dropping off further. And I could easily put them like in fifth or, uh, or for this as well, but or third, you know, like I said, these first two tiers, I feel like in the West are completely cha- like interchangeable. Yeah. So but I, I have them lower down. It could also be I just don't like SKC. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and that's showing a little bit, but I, I, I'm I, not sure if I trust it. I, I can't believe I haven't mentioned this, but they did sign a Montenegrin uh, national team striker, Nikola Vujinovic, from Serbian side FK Vozdovac hmm. uh, this past Tuesday. Okay. It, it's tough because I'm sure he's a great signing, but uh, as many people have mentioned before, Alan Polito still remains a designated player, and they can't like reallocate that spot for just one season, even though he's out, uh, which is maybe an oversight in the MLS rules. But who knows? Maybe uh, Vucinovic can be that answer. It, it all depends on if he can adapt to MLS. I still think they'll be okay. Definitely better, unfortunately, for Minnesota United. All right, let's go on to the next team, which is, again, another one of my teams. I'm just really... Wow, okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I guess I'm just hmm. going through all of them. <laughs> uh, and that's the Seattle Sounders. Obviously, they're a good team. They uh, got second place in the West last season. Almost made it to uh, the conference of finals to meet with their arch nemesis, uh, the Portland Timbers. But unfortunately... That didn't happen. But fortunately, I think they got better this season. Mostly because Rusnak is in from RSL, 41 goals in five years as an attacking midfielder. And he slots into a very, very strong four, a front four that I will be talking about a little bit later. Not only that, but they also made some good moves re-signing some players. Will Bruin, Rowe, Alex Roldan, Freddie Montero, as well as, of course, Rui Diaz coming back for another year there. They traded Brad Smith to D.C. for $750,000 in GAM, and Shane O'Neill, one of their center backs, left. Overall, they added a pretty good game-changer, Rusnak in, and didn't lose too many key players while retaining some of the players that made them great last season. And I think that is, of course, one of their strengths. Another one of their strengths is the fact that Nuhu, who plays for Cameroon, is coming off the form of his life from AFCON. He played lights out uh, in that left center back, left back role for Cameroon. And, you know, Seattle are going to be calling on that. Another huge, huge strength, Garth Lagerwey and Brian Schmetzer are an elite duo of general manager 
and head coach. Yeah, great recruitment with Loggerway and great, great team leadership and tactics from Schmetzer. One of the most most well-run teams in the entire league. They do a great job retaining players, recruiting players. Like, you know, Rusnak was a a free agent. He could have chosen any team inside, outside of MLS, and they convinced him of Seattle's project, and that is huge. A strength I alluded to before, front four of Lodero, Rui Diaz, Rusnak, and Morris. I think that's the best front four in the entirety of MLS. All four of them are game changers. All four of them can, you know, put the team on their back, create something out of nothing, maybe score a goal. Lodero with free kicks, Morris just running down the wing. Uh, Rusnak, Rusnak, you know, picking off passes and Ruidaz finishing it all. I really think that they can they can really win it all if they wanted to. They can whether whether it's the Open Cup, the League's Cup, MLS Cup, Supporter Shield. They have the depth. They have the quality. Fry, also one of their goalkeepers, uh, has the second lowest goals allowed per 90, so it's front to back how good they are. Weaknesses, maybe knew who's going to leave because uh, he's been so, so good and still relatively young, which will hurt their defense, which, going to my second point, I don't think is strong enough, particularly at center back. You got Ariaga and Yamar, and they're great. But where's the quality after that? If one of them gets injured, do you have to rely on one of your youngsters? That gets really tough. So in order for them to be a true, true, lights-out caliber team, probably want that in them. But still, like I said, got a got a very good game-changer, didn't lose too much, retained all of the players, which is a hard thing to do in a salary cap league. I have them in first place just because of that quality. Top of the West, Jack, where do you have them? Uh, I, I will say, you said that they might have to rely on their youngsters. We saw that doesn't really harm them all yeah, that much. Yeah, they, they this did past pretty season. well with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm not so sure that it's that bad if they have to rely on their uh, their youngsters. Uh, but yeah, um, I have them in first as well. Come nice, Ru- nice. Adding Rusnak was huge. Like that, that, that's just that is one of the best transfers in MLS. Like, I, I, I talked really highly yeah, about in the Eastern Conference, DeAndre Yedlin being a good signing for Inter-Miami. This might be the best deal in all of MLS this season. Uh, like, Seattle, I don't I don't want them to do well because I would love to see, because I don't, I, I'm still sad about the 2020 Western Conference Final. Right, of course. But uh, they're, it's, it's, they're going to do well because they're just that good. Mm-hmm. Every piece of their team is good. And for that reason, that's why I have them in first. So we agree on three of four so far. All right. With a pretty right. drastic difference in one of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see if we agree on this one because pretty, pretty good team. Nashville SC, which is oh, finally get, not one of my teams. Oh, I get to talk. Yay. <laughs> yeah. So, Jack, why don't you walk us through Nashville SC, who uh, last time I checked wasn't part of the Western Conference last season. Yeah, well, this is now their second time changing conferences because yes, originally they were supposed to play in the West, and uh, now they're not. They uh, they're now they're now it, or they were in the East. Now they're in the West. They did very well in the East, but they've got a few key transfers here, a few key players leaving this season. Actually, not a few key players, a few players, not many major ones. <laughs> yeah, Dylan Nealis, 
He, you might remember him from those four games he played for Nashville last season. Of course, he's of course. Go- yep. He's going to New York Red Bulls. Uh, Abu Donladi, who scored one goal in eight appearances, goes back to reunite with his lover, Adrian Heath. Uh, and the big transfer, the big transfer out, is young Canadian fullback Alastair Johnston, who's on nice. his way over to Montreal. He played in 75% of the games for Nashville last season, and he was a key reason their defense was great. You, you might remember Nashville... Very, 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 very solid defensive team. And uh, so those are the transfers out. Only one real major one. Let's look at the transfers in. They have brought in two strikers. Um, one is a lot younger with, a, with I, I will say, a little bit of upside in Ethan Zubak from LA Galaxy. He scored a few goals with the Galaxy last season in a few starts. Uh, and then MLS veteran Teal Bunbury comes in from the New England Revolution. Uh, so pretty, pretty good, uh, getting some striker depth. They've also got young Josh Bauer from Atlanta United too. And Sean Davis, who played every game in the 2021 season on yep. a free from New York Red Bulls. I, I I'd say that's probably a, their best transfer in, uh, really decent transfers. It's good to get some more players in at forward positions since CJ Sapon isn't getting any younger. That being said, I'm not convinced these two are the answer, which gets into some strengths and weaknesses. But I like to be positive to start off with, so let's start out with with the positives, some strengths. They've got quite a few. They have a system that works really well and has worked well for the last two seasons. They've made good playoff runs in those two seasons. Uh, so they, they, they know how to win. Uh, their players buy into their system, and sometimes that's all you need to be successful. Uh, so... That, that's really good, and they seem, to be, uh, they seem to be pursuing a similar system this year. They also have a great goalkeeper, like literally one of my favorite goalkeepers in MLS because I've raved about him every season that, that uh, he's played for Nashville. Joe Willis, most mm-hmm. clean sheets last season, most clean sheets the season before that. He is a big reason why the defense is very good. Uh, and also... I, I, you can't mention Nashville's players without mentioning who, in my opinion, should have won uh-huh. the MVP award, which is Haney Mukhtar. Of course. Uh, finally, they have the be- arguably the best defender in, for the U.S. men's national team in Walker Zimmerman. So this is a great team with a lot of talent, and I haven't even mentioned all of their best players yet. Uh, I could go on and on about that, but I'll, 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 I'll leave it at those three. They had some clinical strikers last season as well because they overperformed their XG by 10 goals. They scored 59 with an XG of 49.3. They don't need to dominate matches, only having 46% possession on average and 100 less passes per game than the most in MLS last season. Nashville's just a good team, but it's not to say they don't have weaknesses. I think the big one is trading away Alistair Johnston. Uh, that's that's a tough one to replace because he's been very good, and I, I don't think they've signed a good enough replacement to fill his role. That uh, so I'm, I'm they didn't really have anyone that was that stood out to me as someone who could replace him on their roster. Uh, but yeah, that that's going to be a tough loss. And I also think that the strikers they brought in aren't necessarily better than the ones they traded away. Uh, but they te- because they technically scored the same amount of goals combined that Don Lottie did last season. So uh, that that's that that's that's a bit telling, I think. Uh, but yeah, Nashville, solid team. And you may think from that last part that I'm going to be negative about this, but I'm not. I have them in second place, actually. I, I think they're going to do very well. And I, I think that they are one of 
the best defensive teams in MLS. And I, I think they they could challenge for that top spot. But I, I have them in second because Seattle, you don't bet against them usually. Yeah, I, Jack, agree. And yeah. before this, we were we were thinking like, oh, I think we're going to have a lot of disagreements. We have one one that, that's pretty major out. disagreement. So yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, you mentioned Alistair Johnson moving on. I think I think that's still workable, seeing how defensive they minded they are, mm-hmm. that they can fit a player into the system. The The player that I think is going to be that Kate player for them is going to be their designated player forward. Ake Loba, who, yes, he's only scored one goal for them so far last season. But I think if he can hit, if he can find the back of the net, this is truly, truly a trophy caliber kind of team. I, I think the system that they have, the core uh, players that they have, that then nice spine uh, that they have uh, from the midfield to the defense, their goalkeeper, I think that's what you need to be very, very successful. And even though they're moving to probably an objectively harder conference, I still think no matter who they play against, they're going to be tough. They're going to be gritty and they're going to hopefully find goals through uh, Loba, who I think now that he's getting a full preseason with the team, now that he is uh, uh, getting more well adjusted to the pace of this league coming in from a Monterey uh, in Liga MX, I think that he can finally get some goals, and National SC can play well from front to back. So I have them in second place. I'm really surprised how much we've actually been agreeing here. I, I really was not expecting that at all. I, I have a feeling that's going to end with some some of the other teams. I, I just have a feeling. Yeah? Well, yeah. actually, this next team very well might be the case. This is the Colorado Rapids. Again, one of my teams. Uh, <laughs> Dang, hogging all the teams over there. The wheel really yes. likes you today. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Uh, the Colorado Rapids, of course, topped the West last season. And in a pretty improbable way. I mean, it wasn't until like like the very last week that, that they were even poised to reach the top and throughout the entire season we're like oh it's seattle skc they'll probably uh win the west seattle especially and that wasn't the case colorado won with 61 points and so can colorado bounce back to the top well they spent the least of all teams last season so it it was very very much a money ball kind of fairy tale kind of uh, rise to the top and it's kind of hard to see them going back to that notion uh, they brought in Brian Acosta, a central midfielder from Dallas, Abuba Bakar Keita from Columbus, not bad, and midfielder Max Alves from Flamengo. However, they did lose some decent players, Kellen Acosta to LAFC for $1.1 million in GAM, and they then turned around to spend that money on some of those incoming players. They also lost Badgie to FC Cincinnati and Cole Bassett to an 18-month loan to Feyenoord in the Netherlands. The strengths, same thing as last year. Their cohesion is great. They can hit you on the break. Very, very good at set pieces. They have uh, uh, the right players uh, for that, whether it be uh, their central midfielders or some of their very talented uh, forwards that can whip things in pretty well. I have to highlight 
you know, Jack Price and Mark Anthony K, which is a very, very good uh, central midfield pairing. Jonathan Lewis, that even though he doesn't play all that well for the U.S. men's national team, does play pretty well for the Colorado Rapids. And one of my favorite players, uh, Lalas Abubakar. I don't know. I just like him, as well as Diego Rubio and Michael Barrios. Overall, like these are good individual players. Their weaknesses, however, is that they did lose some of those good players. Cole Bassett, Kellen Costa were game changers. Without reinforcements that are an upgrade to those previous players, I can't really think that they'll retain their spots. When you look at who they brought in, yeah, they're good. Max Alves, Brian Acosta, but they don't match that output as some of those other players. However, have to caveat that with the fact that they still have three, all three Dexon player designated player slots still open, so a lot can change. And I would really hope that they maybe buy a striker as a designated player because there's been no player last season that scored more than eight goals for them. So who's going to be that guy? Can't be Barrios, can't be Lewis, K, Shinishiki. They're all good, but there needs to be a better output. And that comes from, you know, getting some players. And it, it, it's really funny because uh, the, the, the same the same person that, that owns uh, the, the, the Rams, who won the NFL uh, Super Bowl this past weekend, same person that owns Arsenal, who, eh, they're doing better. You know, Stan Kroenke <laughs> owns Colorado Rapids as well and just hasn't invested enough which kind of sucks to see, and hopefully that changes. But unfortunately, I do see them dropping off because of that lack of investment from the ownership. And I have them in fifth place, so a tier below where they would have been last time around. Still good enough to you know be in that playoff bubble, but I just think without a, a striker to start the season, it's going to be tough. Once they get a striker, a lot of things a lot of things can change. I, I think that the head coach. Robin Frazier is a good coach that can get the most out of their team regardless. It just needs that start starting striker to keep them in that playoff conversation. Jack, where do you have him? No one is going to believe us when we said we didn't prepare this together. No, you have him in fifth. I have him in fifth. This like, is... Oh, people aren't going to believe it, but we <laughs> legitimately prepare all of these. Any episodes where we research all of the teams... We prepare them entirely separately. Yes. So we, we don't, don't like we, we don't even opinions. talk about like anything. Yeah. Like we, we just say what's the format and split up the teams and that's it. Uh, so this is just wild and kind of improbable, but I have them in fifth as well. I think last season was a flash in the pan type thing, you know, like almost like a Leicester City type story. You know, that that's kind of what what it's like them winning the West. It it, it shouldn't have happened probably because of how little they spent. Yeah. But they, they got players that trusted, uh, have a good coach, and everything just worked out around them. Right. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to happen this season, especially, like you, like you said, Kellen Acosta, good player, especially as a six. You know, Kellen Acosta as a six is kind of undefeated. So uh, I, I think that it's going to be tough for them. A, a little bit tougher. I still think they're going to make it into the playoffs, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, I have them in fifth. All right. Well, Jack, if you've noticed, the top five of my Western Conference standings are fully uh, booked. You still have a third place team that 
has Indeed. not been mentioned yet, and it might be this next one. I'm talking, of course, about the Houston Dynamo. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so, Jack, why don't you get it started with the Houston Dynamo, uh, maybe the forgotten child of the Texas Triangle. <laughs> uh, I, I think that might be the best way to describe it. Uh, <laughs> so, Houston Dynamo. Uh, they finished dead last in the West last season um, by one point. Not 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 like not like a, a bad a bad. No, never mind. A bad season. Yeah, never mind. No, it was uh, bad. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to sugarcoat it, but I couldn't think of how to do it. So uh, let's look at the key transfers. They didn't take out too many pieces from their team, or at least they took out less than I would have expected, given they finished last in the West last time around. After a disappointing season, Aruti is off to Austin FC, and Ariel Lasseter is off to Inter-Miami. They also got rid of goalkeeper Marco Marich, who was decent at times. I I remember he posted a clean sheet against Minnesota that annoyed me. Uh, And for transfers in, though, they made some that looked like they could be pretty good. You know, they got Steve Clark on a free transfer. Not too bad. He's been pretty good for Portland. He was good for DC United before that. And he helped bail Portland out a lot last season and in the past few seasons. So he can help Houston, I'm sure. Uh, they also got center back Daniel Steres from LA Galaxy, who was a good depth piece for the Galaxy last season. I'm pretty excited to, have to see how their two big signings do, though, which is left back Zeka from Vasco da Gama on a free transfer. He seems really promising because he looked like he was a solid creative force from fullback last se- uh, in uh, with Vasco da Gama. Something Houston desperately needed after they created the second least chances in MLS last season. Yikes. But the big transfer that could have a lot of upside is 24-year-old Paraguayan center forward Carlos Ferreira, who seemed promising in the Paraguayan league. That being said, $4.3 million is quite a high sum for him, it seems. He, he seems to not have a ton of experience yet, but uh, like... It has scored quite a few goals here and there, so it could be could be a good experiment for them. Strengths and weaknesses. Uh, strength or weakness, depending on how you look at it, they're in a full rebuild mode. They got rid of their coach and general manager. That can be a strength, as Houston fans might tell you, because, uh, you know, we've had some Houston guys on the podcast before. Not huge fans of of uh, of the general manager there. Uh, gotta say that not not a huge fan of, of him, but he's gone now. Uh and uh, another strength that uh, that I'll say, they have some solid attacking players when they're used properly. Fafa Pico yeah. and Darwin Quintero, both good players. It'll be interesting to see how they're able to combine with Sebastian Ferreira. Uh, I'd also call Steve Clark a strength. I'm not sure how many people would agree with me, but I think he's a solid MLS goalkeeper and an upgrade from Marco Marich for sure. Uh, now for the weaknesses. Regardless of the transfers they have, they are still mostly a team that finished bottom in the West, underperformed their XG by eight goals, and didn't win a single road game last season. Yep. I'm not sure if they've improved enough to do much better this season. They're also lacking a lot of defensive depth with only three senior center backs and one fullback for each flank. Uh, so maybe they're going with the one defender strategy uh, with, uh, with all the attackers they brought in, but they look a little weak defensively, and that was for an already weak defensive team. They have a lot of promise with a new head coach and a new front office, but I think that's more for the future than for this upcoming season. And based off of that, you can probably tell what I'm getting at, uh, because I, I have them in I last can. again. Yep. Uh, I 
I'm sorry, Houston fans. I, I feel like this rebuild can be really exciting. And there there is a lot that can that looks promising. But I don't think that this season is going to be the season where everything clicks into place. I think it'll be a, a season of a little bit of suffering. But before then, before long, I'm sure that it should pay off because I do think that Houston look like they have some promise for the future. Yes, Jack, we agreed again. I, I think. Oh man, <laughs> I, I think if there's going to be one one team that we definitely agreed on, it was Houston being last. Uh, yeah. Pat Onstead comes in as GM, head coach, new one, Paulo Nagamura. I, I I think that they could do cool things. Not crazy on, on the players that they brought in. Uh, I I think I think they'll be fine. I think Houston will be okay in terms of where they were last time, but it's not enough to move the needle, and I don't think that's necessarily the plan. I think not just on the field, but off the field, Houston needs to do a full reworking, front to back, left to right, of their entire structure as a team. And I think this is yep. the season where, now that they brought in a new ownership last season, a new new front office people this season, I think this is going to be a season that is to forget, but maybe... It's just the first step to something beautiful. I have them last, though, so maybe not beautiful this season. All right, Jack, let's go on to the next team, which, again, I'm surprised how much we've been agreeing. A a little weird, I'll be honest, but maybe this next one, probably this next one, we'll disagree. I'm hoping we get some disagreement here because it's FC Dallas, which is one of my teams, and this is... There's a lot that can happen with FC Dallas here. Uh, first off, they have some pretty, pretty major transfers. A guy that, I don't know, I don't think anyone really knows about him. It's a guy named Ricardo Pepe left the club. No, nah, never, never heard, heard of him. him. Yeah, never heard of him. No. But Pepe, a star U.S. men's national team striker, is moving to Augsburg for $20 million. Quite, quite the movement. Uh, Brian Acosta, central midfielder, is out to Colorado. Justin Shea moved to Hoffenheim. Ryan Hollingshed to LAFC. And then they brought in some players. Nanu from Porto on loan as a left back, I believe. Uh, Alan Velasco from Independiente on the wing for $10 million. Club record. And there's going to be a certain player that U.S. players know pretty well. That's going to be on the opposite flank of Velasco. That is Paul Ariola in from DC United for $2 million in GAM, the most expensive interleague transfer in league history. Let's go into some of the strengths. Nico Estevez is a good coach who's managed at Valencia and was an assistant for Burhalter in Columbus and with the U.S. men's national team, which leads me to believe that he might be able to get a lot out of some of those U.S. men's national team players. Jesus Ferreira, who is a very good uh, starting striker who just signed a DP contract, can play a very good role as a number false number nine. I think he can get a lot of out, out of him. Also, Paul Ariola, who he's worked with with the U.S. men's national team. And even... The likes of Paxton Pomacall, who I think now that, that we have some players that are on the wing, like Paul Ariola, can finally go back to where he should be in the central midfield. I think those are great attacking talents. Highlight Jesus Ferreira. 
And when you look at who has been added on the wing of Velasco and Areola, that is transformative to where they were before. And this is great. I mean, I've talked about Areola. He plays decently enough for the U.S. men's national team and obviously was a very, very key player. Key, key player for DC United. One of their best in recent seasons. And Velasco, 10 goals, 10 assists at his time for uh, uh, Independiente. So very, very good on the wing too. Takes a little bit of adapting. And I think that's where one of the weaknesses lies. The fact that we have a lot of new players, including Nanu and Farfan, both new fullbacks, as well as new wingers, who are playing under a new manager. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of variability here. So I wouldn't be surprised if FC Dallas, even though they have a very bright future ahead of them in terms of where they could be going, might not make leaps and bounds this season. I mean, Hedges, uh, one of their more veteran players, will do well to be that presence in the defense. But will that be enough? Brings me to my second point. The defense still isn't perfect. Again, especially with those new players like Nanu and Farfan, it's going to take a little bit of time to get that defense clicking. And maybe I would also like to see some reinforcements in that that defense, maybe some upgrades there to complement a pretty good attack that's being built. And also deadweight. Franco Yara Hara, not a not a good player, not a good number nine, and he's a designated player. Jesus Ferreira is much better. Get rid of him or don't. That's fine. I don't really care. So my prediction for FC Dallas, like I, you could probably guess where I'll have them near the bottom. Some improvements though because of how well they have been building under their new head coach. I have them in eleventh place. Jack, did we agree there? We disagreed. Yes. I have them in 12th in the Texas okay, tier. Okay, well, all right. Um, okay. So <laughs> I, I feel like this happened last season as well. I, I called the bottom three as Dallas, Austin, and Houston. And I'm going for it again because I got all three of those right last time around. Uh, Dallas, like you said, made some interesting signings. Um, I think they still might struggle, though. I, I, I still think they will struggle a little bit. Uh, but... I, I still think that they do have a, a lot of promise, but I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like Dallas's model for a while has been, you know, ha- make good young players, sell them off, invest oh, yeah, in the absolutely. academy again, and then keep doing it. Uh, so it's a sustainable business model, not great for soccer success. Yeah, necessarily. exactly. That, uh, but that, that, that's not to say that they're like going to do awful i could see them going into 11th as well i i don't see them necessarily making it into the playoffs i feel like that's still a few rebuild step or a few steps away for them but hey dallas you know what go ahead and prove me wrong yeah i i mean i have them right on the edge of that last tier 11th places in that like maybe playoff bubble so again we disagreed but not slightly. too much. Yeah, just, just barely. I, I have one team that might be slightly worse than that. All right, so, Jack, I'm sorry, but this next team is another one of mine. I, is this, I, I'm, I think this is your last team, actually. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> you, you, you've talked once for one of your teams, wow. and I got all, like, six of mine done. I'm talking about uh, Jack's favorite team by far. Real Salt Lake. Oh, I'm out. I'm out. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, no. Jack, Jack is not an RSL fan in nope. the slightest. Probably due to the fact that a certain uh, David Ochoa plays for them, among yep. other things, of course. <laughs> RSL, conference finalists last uh, last season, but can they upset the West again? 
I wouldn't bet on it because Rusnak, the transformative attacking midfielder, has left for Seattle. Nor ownership has allowed them to add some good players like, you know, defensive midfielder Scott Caldwell. And, you know, they got a forward Sergio Cordova on loan from FC Augsburg. Pretty good. I wouldn't say that's necessarily replacing Rusnak or totally needle moving to the point where I can call them certified contenders in the West or really, you know, shoe in playoff team as at any point because they were seventh place, barely hanging on, tied with LA Galaxy uh, to edge them their way into uh, the conference uh, playoffs there. Again, not going to bet on them being super good, but they got some big strengths. Uh, one in particular, uh, Demir Krylak, 16 goals, attacking prowess on points right there. We got, uh, additionally to him, Julio, Wood, and now Cordova. A lot of good attacking options there, to say the least. David Ochoa is a reliable goalkeeper. Can get, can get, things get, can get a little dicey. Some of that might be a little bit of the defense, but he is a personality, a good leader for RSL, and undeniably is a reliable goalkeeper in MLS. Weaknesses, Rusnak is a loss, and I don't think that they've made great strides forward to improve the team overall. I think when you look at the net loss or gain, I think it's been a net loss for them. And when you compare it to what the other teams maybe around them are doing, I just don't think that they have been doing enough. I, I also think, to that point about David Ochoa and his defense letting him down, they got to clean up the defense. They gave up the most goals of all the playoff teams, and I think that really comes down to maybe David Ochoa's eccentricity, but also some of those defenders not being quite up to snuff. And therefore, when I, when I look at just how much they've fallen in terms of player quality, I got to put them in 10th place, right above FC Dallas for me. Jack, where do you have them? There's no way. I have them in 10th place as well. Oh my gosh. I, 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 I'm honestly thinking, like, when we release this episode, I'm going to take a screenshot of, of mine and just, uh, just, just, to, just to compare this because there's no way that it's been this similar. Uh, <laughs> but yet it is. Uh, yeah, I think Rusnak's a huge loss. He, he is about the only player I really enjoyed watching on, uh, for RSL for a uh, specific reason, Slovakia. That, that's about it. Yep. Uh, but I, I, will, I, I'm, I don't trust the rest of RSL. I, I, okay. You said that David Ochoa is a super reliable goalkeeper. I think sometimes he, he lets his ego get a little bit of, ahead of himself. Sure. And it, does, it doesn't make it – he's decent – He's definitely not a bad goalkeeper, but he I, I feel like that ego needs to be checked a little bit, especially <laughs> for goalkeepers. So I I don't know. That that's that's my opinion on that. But yeah, I have him in tenth place. I think r- losing Rusnak is going to hurt them a lot. All right, all right. Well, Jack got another agreement there, of course. A disagreement might be on the cards here. It's the Portland Timbers. So Jack, why don't you go ahead with the uh MLS finalists there. Yeah. Uh, so MLS finalists, like you said, lost to NYCFC. In terms of key transfers, they have a lot of departures, especially in one position. Uh, fun fact about the Timbers, they ended up at one point in the season having zero goalkeepers on their roster. Oh, wow. Uh, 
at one point. Uh, of course, that's not the case now. Uh, but Steve Clark went to Houston. Adene- uh, Jeff Adenella retired. Ivacic went to free agency, although he later got re-signed. Uh, but, you know, they there was a point where they had no goalkeepers on their roster. And they just have one from, la- uh, from last season now. They also lost... Diego Valeri, who is going off to Lanus, I think it's it's how you pronounce mm-hmm. it. And uh, thankfully, Andy Polo's gone for very good reason. Yes. If he had stayed at Portland, I'd be very concerned and put them in last out of spite. Yes, yes, uh, yes. In terms of big transfers in, they brought in two goalkeepers with Justin Von Stieg from LA Galaxy and David Bainham from Free Agency, who I believe also was last with uh, the LA Galaxy. I could be wrong on that, but I, I seem to remember him playing for, for them slight, fairly recently. Uh, they'll all be competing for the starting spot, so that'll be interesting. The bigger ones are making sure to re-sign important players. Ho- uh, Jose Carlos Van Rankin was on loan last season, and it looks like they've made that deal permanent. I could have uh, researched that incorrectly, but either way, he's back with Portland this season. Uh, and... They also got uh, David Ayala from Estudiantes, who is highly rated, rated in Argentina, it seems. But the big one for Timbers fans and for MLS fans in general is just that they reassigned Sebastian Blanco. Timbers fans are going to be happy about that. He's a great playmaker, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, strengths and weaknesses. They've still got the brothers Chara on this team, who are fantastic <laughs> players. And having Blanco back is a big win for them. Van Rankin's re-signing was good as well because he was a great force down the right flank. Uh, they have they kept most of their attacking core that produced one of the most efficient offenses in MLS, scoring 63 goals in the season. That being said, they had one of the worst defensive records of the playoff teams, and I don't think they've improved significantly on that back line. In fact, I think their defense has gotten uh, just slightly worse with... Uh, you know, mixing up the goalkeeper situation. They ha- they kept the back line, but that void at goalkeeper might hold them back. Portland Timbers fans might not have always rated Steve Clark uh, because he's capable of some undeniably bad errors. But for better and for worse, he kept the Timbers in a lot of games with his performances. And I think his influence is going to be missed, even if Timbers fans don't recognize it just yet. Uh, I think the Portland Timbers overall have a solid team still that is going to do pretty well, uh, especially their offense. I, 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 I think Portland will do pretty well this season. And you were wondering who I had in third place. I have Portland in third place. I, I feel like I might be overrating them a little bit, but you know, they made it to the Western conference final and I'm, I'm inclined to say they haven't significantly regressed from that point in time. So I, I'm, I'm going to say that they make third. All right, Jack. I, I, agree. No, I know it's a disagreement. I this know time. it's a dis- <laughs> You know it's a disagree because you already know who my third place team is. In fact, this is, I think, maybe our biggest disagreement oh, wow, okay. ever. Not only do I not have them in the top four, I don't have the Portland Timbers as a playoff oh, team. Oh, wow. Okay. In fact, I have them in eighth place missing the playoffs wow. just barely Jeez, and, and, okay. it, it can go anywhere but i have them in eighth place jack i'm gonna ask you a question mm-hmm. how old is diego chara i i uh 
Is he, is he 35 or 36? I, I know he... He's 35. Okay. He's 35. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> D- D- Diego Chara is old. Yep. And, and, and yes, yes, there are... You know, uh, we, we've seen before Diego Chara can play like he's 19. But at some point that runs out. At some point, even Sebastian Blanco, who's also getting up there in age, will run out of steam. Diego Chara has a backup defensive midfielder but it's a 19-year-old, and Ayala, a- 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 mm-hmm. sure, it- is a good player uh, coming in, Ar- uh, Argentinian defensive midfielder, but that's a lot of pressure to put on a 19-year-old, and it's a lot of pressure to put on the knees of a 35-year-old. And I-, I think that there's just naturally going to be a little bit of a, a-, a-, a drop-off there. And yes, while I do think that they have a very good core of Bravo, Ayala now, Eric Williamson, of course, coming back from an injury. Moreno. I just don't think that going off of the, the likes of older players is going to be as as good as it was the last couple of seasons. I, I think the magic will eventually run out. And even though those, those new core players are good, it's not going to be right now where they are amazing. I also think... Man, I mean, I, I don't even know. Like, like the Portland Timbers, they're good. And I could, can't see them going into the playoffs. But there's just a lot going wrong on the field. Not wrong, but there's just a lot going against them on the field for me to be super confident that they will be right there in the playoffs for sure. On the bubble, maybe. Also, to shout out the fact that there's a lot of off-the-field troubles that we have not talked about on this podcast yet, though I'm very sure we will, uh, that has been maybe taking a little bit of attention away from the team. I know the fans are not happy about that. We'll see how that materializes in the season. But that could also have a pretty negative effect on how how Portland does, especially if, who knows, maybe a, a major shakeup in terms of ownership, in terms of front office people, in terms of the structure of the club, whatever happens there, that all can also affect the on the field. Uh, so I have them in eighth place. Jack, a difference of five spots. That's huge. That is yeah. huge. Uh, so there, there you go. If Listeners, if you if you were thinking we copied these lists from each other, there there you go. That, that That's proof enough that uh, yeah. that we definitely did our own research and had came to different conclusions yeah. entirely. Or we just did that one to throw people off and we actually just, you know, yeah. everything You'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> well, Let's see if we agree on this one, because it's the Vancouver Whitecaps. That's right, Jack. We're saving all the California teams right for the end. Oh, boy. So, okay. Jack, why don't you talk <laughs> about the, the final Canadian team, because we talked about Toronto Montreal last week. Uh, where do you place Vancouver, and what are their strengths and weaknesses? Yeah, well, Vancouver surprised a lot of people last season, especially in the second half of the season. You know, at during the first half of the season, it looked like they were in for a pretty mediocre finish. But they did really well at the end of the season, which I'll get to later. Uh, but let's go over the transfers first. And in terms of key transfers out, not a ton. Uh, the headliner, though, uh, is Maxime Crepeau, who listeners of the podcast will know I've raved about this guy because he is one of the best shot stoppers in MLS. Uh, he's heading off to LAFC for $1 million. That being said, they still have a good goalkeeper behind him in Thomas Hassall, who impressed a lot of people during the MLS's back tournament, if you'll remember then. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, center back Andy Rose retired, who played in about 50% of the Caps games last season. That's really about it for leaving, players leaving. Incoming, they've made quite a few good additions. My favorite of these is Tristan Blackman, technically from Charlotte, but really from LAFC. Uh, Charlotte picked him in the super or in the expansion draft and then traded him immediately. Uh, he's a good right back who starts in quite a lot of teams in the league if given the chance. Sebastian Burhalter also heads to Canada from Columbus after an okay season in Austin on loan, but nothing spectacular. Uh, that's about it in terms of transfers in and out. All intra-league transfers, but still decent work. Uh, strengths and weaknesses for this. They clearly got some things correct at the end of this season. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what Sartini did to this team, but he turned them into a fantastic team. Yeah. Uh, in, in his time in charge, th- this, is, this is crazy. Their record, seven wins, five draws, and three losses Pretty in, good. In, in those games in charge. That's impressive. Like that, that's, that's really good, uh, and it powered them into the playoffs. And that was on the backs of some fantastic performances from Brian White and Christian Dahomey, who scored 23 goals combined. Really good production there. Ryan Gold provided nine goal contributions and 13 starts. He was a great midseason acquisition that is now seemed to settle in the league and will have an opportunity to make an impact on a full season. Uh, so those are those are the strengths. So let's go into the weaknesses. And I think one of the biggest ones is a distinct lack of a goalkeeper uh, in terms of depth. Like I, I said, Thomas Assault is very good. And he has a lot of promise, but he does not have a lot of MOS experience. And, you know, there's no veteran presence really there in case his form dips off a little bit. So that's a little bit worrying. The other weakness is that they didn't fix the big issue, in my opinion, which is a little bit of lack of creativity. They didn't have an out-and-out creator. Yes, Ryan Gold was good, but they ranked 15th in big chances created in 50 and they missed 34 out of 50 of those big chances, which shows they need a lot of shots to actually score, I th- or need a lot of chances to actually score. So they needed a new creative force, and Sebastian Burhalter, you know, most definitely isn't that. <laughs> I, think that's the, I think that's the biggest struggle for them, that they could have used some more backup in that position. Uh, I, I think they're, they're decent otherwise, uh, and I, I have them... In seventh place, I have I, I think they'll make it into the playoffs, which, you know, Caps fans might be kind of surprised about. But I, I think that they're pretty decent, you know, that they're, they're, they'll do pretty well. All right. Well, Jack, that actually wraps up all of your uh, playoff teams. This is true. Yeah. Which means <laughs> if you can, you know, if you've taken any logic class before, you can surmise that Jack has all the California teams missing out on the playoffs yes, again I uh which also means that for what the second year in a row you have the texas and the california teams all missing out from the playoffs yep yeah <laughs> okay <do. laughs> and if you realize you know that one california team for me will make it into the playoffs and that's because it not not too because Vancouver Whitecaps I also have in seventh place. We oh agree wow! Again, okay. <laughs> we agree again. I, I think they what they got sixth place last year. Mm-hmm. Very good. I think Sartini has ability for this team as it is right now to make it into the playoffs. I think they'll do well. The major hang up for me, the reason why I, I don't think they'll go as far or go as high up, is because they haven't really strengthened their team as much even though this team 
obviously as it is is very good and i i i just don't believe in hassal i like not that i don't believe in him but i don't think he's going to be as permanent and as as good as of a goalkeeping solution is if they just got more of a veteran guy and hassal develops for a little bit longer i really thought that he was going to be a slightly more long-term project similar to the other Canadian goalkeeper backup in this league, Dane St. Clair, who had, was his third season as maybe a backup. Goalkeepers have a lot of time, and to throw in a younger guy into that starting spot this early on, sink or swim, a little bit tough, a little bit tough. And as you mentioned, with no real quality depth, if he starts to falter, unlike Minnesota, who can turn to Tyler Miller, Vancouver really don't have that as it stands. And so I think that's the reason why they stay relatively in the same spot, dropping down to seventh place for me, for you as well. Uh, that is how I see it. And Jack, we're are we ready to talk about some California teams here. Yeah. Um, uh, California fans aren't going to be happy with my takes on a lot of them, but it'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> yes. Well, let's pick the first fan base to annoy, and that's okay. going to be the LA Galaxy. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> the, the the biggest winners in MLS history, obviously, according to you, not this time around. Yeah. Where do you have LA Galaxy finishing? Yeah, well, they've fallen off a little bit. Uh, they have, they have. Some key transfers, though. They cleared out quite a lot of players from their squad this offseason. Center back Daniel Starez headed off to Houston. Striker Ethan Zubak went to Nashville. And O'Neill Fisher went to Minnesota. These aren't the big losses, though, because they all had very minimal roles this past season. The big ones are Sebastian Legette, AJ's favorite player. Of course, uh, of course. Who heads off to New England on a very high fee. And Jonathan Dos Santos, who goes to Club America. Uh, those are big departures. And while both didn't have great seasons in 2021, they are still big losses for the LA Galaxy. They did bring in quite a few players, though. Uh, I think the most perplexing of these is replacing O'Neill Fisher with Kevin Lear, or Kelvin Leardom, who has not been great for Miami. Yeah. Uh, they also got Raheem Edwards from LAFC, where he also had an underwhelming season. A better signing is Mark Delga- uh, Del- Delgado, who, ha- who was a bright spot for Toronto last season. In fact, probably one of the only bright spots for Toronto last season. Uh, but of course, the highlight has to be Douglas Costa, Yes. A 31-year-old aging Brazilian star who hasn't played particularly well at many clubs, except maybe in his first season at Juventus in 2018. Sure. Uh, I, I get a lot of hype is being thrown around for this signing. I don't get it, though. I, I'm not as excited about this signing as many others are. Yes, he can be good, but I also don't think he's going to be quite the guy that LA Galaxy think they're getting. Uh like he he struggled at Gremio recently. Uh that that's just to just to put it in perspective. Strengths and weaknesses though. Chicharito hit his form last season. Really big for for the Galaxy. Scored 17 goals last season. Probably the only reason they even had a chance of making it into actually not probably the only reason they had a chance of making it into the playoffs last season. Uh they also have Julian Araujo who really came into his own at right back last season. Ryan Ravelson was pretty good in midfield for them, holding it down in CDM. They also created quite a few chances, and they were in the top 10 for chance creation last season. But my issue with them is they have a lot of weaknesses still. Yes, Chicharito was on form, 
but he's about their only reliable scorer. Uh, to put that in perspective and to emphasize this, there is a 12 goal gap ahead of the second highest scorer, Kevin right. Cabral, with only five goals. They don't have a good striker to back up Chicharito in the slightest. I trust exactly zero of their other strikers to fill in for him. And here's a stat. In games with him, they went nine wins, six draws, and seven losses, 1.5 points per game. In games without him, they had four wins, three draws, and five losses, which is 1.25 points per game. So it shows that they do sacrifice quite a bit and do drop off a little bit without him. So if, if he's off form or injured, then LA Galaxy are in trouble. They also had one of the worst defenses in the bottom 10, conceding 1.6 goals per game, keeping only five clean sheets, which is yikes, third worst yikes. in the league. This team, for whatever reason, can't defend. And I don't think the signings they've made have made me think they'll defend any better this season. So that might be a bit harsh on the LA Galaxy, but I have them in ninth place. Uh, I, okay. I, I, I think Chicharito is a fine player. He did well. But for me, it's kind of where the galaxy's strengths stop, which sounds harsh because I, I will say they have other good. They have other good players. It's not all Chicharito, but it's yeah. undeniable that he is their impact player, just like Reynoso for Minnesota, for example. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are there are certain players that if you don't have them, you're you're kind of screwed. And that's kind of the case for the L.A. Galaxy and Chicharito. Right. All right. Well, Jack said ninth place. Yep. Ninth place. It's another agreement right there. Wow. Okay. I thought I was being harsh with ninth place. No, I mean, I I think you get it right on the nose. I think uh, Douglas Costa is pretty much what you'd expect out of an LA Galaxy signing, right? Kind of, not a big name, but, you know, kind of that, that high level player that maybe can make a big impact. But yeah, what you mentioned before not totally needle moving in in the back they have some good players like you mentioned Arujo uh Ravielson I I think Kevin Cabral is a very key player I think if you're looking for a second goal scoring option that has to be him uh, along with Acosta Chicharito of course being the, the the surefire striker there but again what I we have been harping on LA Galaxy for the longest time is their defense and their lack of team building beyond their stars. I think the likes of Cabral were, were good pickups, Delgado this season, a good pickup, but there's just still not a lot of good pieces that make me confident that this is a, a true contender in any sort of way. When you look at the defense, when you look at the depth beyond uh, some of their players, like, yes, you have Alvarez, Delgado, Costa, Chicharito, Cabral. Who who fills in beyond that? That's really quality. Because when you look at the likes of Seattle, when you look at the likes of Philadelphia, New England, there are players there that you can see fill in if, if a player goes down, if a player is off form. And I just don't see that with the LA Galaxy. And it might be harsh, and I think that in terms of my third tier, which is uh, slots 8 through 11, I have the LA Galaxy being the ones with the most variability. I can see them moving up to even 6th or 5th place if things get really good, or move down to like 11th place if things get really bad and uh, 
Vanny can't get things back on track. And so I also have them in ninth place, and I'm really interested to see where you have their crosstown rivals, Jack. LAFC in your standings. Um, yeah, well, LAFC, uh, really disappointing season last time around, especially considering recent seasons for them. Uh, so key transfers, quite a few players left the club this offseason. Bit of a goalkeeper clear out here, like in Portland. Jamal Blackman, former Chelsea legend, not really. Uh, <laughs> Jamal Blackman, he's gone. Pablo Cisniega leaving the club as well. Uh, they let Raheem Edwards go to the LA Galaxy. We already discussed him with the Galaxy and how he wasn't exactly right. the best player. Uh, big transfers out, though, in Tristan Blackman, who got selected to the in the draft, and Eduard Atuesta, who was sold to Palmeiras for $3.5 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we're going to talk about transfers, I think the biggest transfer is coach Bob Bradley, who left to go to Toronto and was replaced with Steve Chirundolo. Uh, you know, that we'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> now, what about transfers in? I, I think they have made some solid acquisitions. They got Maxime Crepeau from Vancouver, which is my favorite piece of transfer business that they did. Uh, they got Kellen Acosta from Colorado, which is pretty good overall. Ishmael Tejoui Shradi won MLS with NYCFC last season. It was a great impact sub for them. Uh, and right back Franco Escobar from Atlanta. Then we get to perhaps the two most confusing deals. Ilya Sanchez on a free from Kansas City, which, all right, but getting up there in age. Strangest transfer by far is what seems like a swap deal to get, I I could have read the details of this wrong, but Ryan Hollingshead from Dallas in exchange for Marco Farfan. Farfan. See, it feels like a net loss to me to get an aging average MLS center back and getting rid of a younger center back with a bit more upside in my opinion, but I'm sure there's some reason for it. Uh, strengths and weaknesses. Still got a solid team, made some solid acquisitions. We've got Christian Arango, and hopefully Carlos Vela will actually stay healthy this season. Uh, not sure if that's possible for him anymore, because it hasn't been in the past few. Uh, they also have, in my opinion, one of the most underrated goalkeepers in the league with Crepo. I've I've managed to fit in like five ways to praise him this episode. So <laughs> yeah. that, that tells you how much I rate him. They also had a good offense that created the third most chances in MLS and had the third most shots on target. They also addressed their biggest needs in improving their defense. They only kept six clean sheets and Crapo will help them out. Now onto the, some weaknesses. One that will certainly be felt is the loss of Atuesta, who was great for LAFC last season. The other issue, and I think this is the biggest one, is the coach downgrade. Bob Bradley is... A great coach, arguably one of the best in MLS. And Steve Chirondolo is a heavy downgrade. He really underperformed with a solid Las Vegas Lights FC team. I think he might be the biggest liability ahead of this campaign. That's not to say he'll be completely bad, but I I don't trust him as much as Bob Bradley. And I don't think that's a controversial statement to make. Uh, They've made good signs, but have they got the coaching position right? You know, we've seen so many times teams bringing in and having a lot of talent, but a mediocre or just bad coach can only do so much. I'm not convinced about this coaching pick, uh, but that that's what that's how I see LAFC. I have a feeling we're going to be pretty close on this one. I have them in eighth place. I, I think that they'll they definitely I could definitely see them getting into the playoffs, but I, I, I see them mostly on the outskirts of that. All right. I yeah, you are right. They are relatively close. I have them a tier above 
actually in the playoffs in sixth place. Okay. Uh, and a lot of what you said is, is very, very true. I, I think that they have addressed that, that goalkeeper spot pretty well with Crepo. I, I think Ryan Hollingshed, I, I think he is a, an actual pretty decent defender. Uh, and I think it is a good pickup for LAFC for their defense, even if he's not going to be an out-and-out starter. I do think Kellen Acosta is a very, very good midfielder option for LAFC. And I, I think that overall, when I, when I look at their roster, it's not where they were during their uh, 2019 season where they really tore things up, won the Supporter Shield. But they still have a good amount of players that are very good. You look at uh, Brian Rodriguez, whatever. Uh, but uh, Carlos Vela, Sifu Wentes, Kim Moon Juan, Latif Blessing, of course. Hope he, he doesn't move if, for their sake. I, I, I'm a pretty big fan of a lot of their roster movements. The biggest thing for me is that head coaching spot. And I think it's actually why I have them higher than you. I, I honestly... Ooh, okay. I, I honestly don't think that it's necessarily a downgrade. And yes, when okay. it comes to coach quality, it is a downgrade. It, when it comes to uh, his reputation, it is a downgrade. But when you look at the last couple seasons after the Supporter Shield winning season, 2020 and 2021, Bob Bradley just was not hitting those strides with LAFC, despite having a very, very talented team. Now, you could put that blame on a lot of things, Vela not being always healthy, some players uh, not performing up to their standards. But you have to admit that a good amount of that was Bob Bradley not getting the most out of his team, not getting the tactics right. I mean, Minnesota United beat LAFC or, or even tied LAFC on, on multiple occasions. And a lot of that was because of Bob Bradley's management and now that he's in a new place I'm sure he'll be fine he's a great manager he's gonna do great things with Toronto FC but the fact still remains is that LAFC were underperforming under him and even though Chirundolo yes he had a, a bad season with uh, the lights but can you really kind of kind of a, a bad hand there that, that he's been dealt so I, I think I'd be cautiously optimistic even though in general I'm pretty against ha having relatively new managers make that jump really really early but overall i think in the grand scheme of things if lafc fail it's not going to be because of him it's just going to be because the talent of this team is a far cry of what it could be and what it has been and what it compares to with the teams around them lafc and la galaxy they could switch around I can see LAFC making it down to 8th or ninth place, 10th place even, or I could see them up here in 6th place or 5th place even. So California teams, a lot of variability. Not a lot of variability for this last one, which is the San Jose Earthquakes, which if you've been keeping track, I have in 12th place, and Jack, you have them in 11th place. Yep, that is correct. I have them uh, in the, the, the Texas texas basement zone you have them just barely in the tier above so walk me through how you view san jose yeah so key transfers um i think the big transfers out are really in retirement because daniel vega retired sad uh 
Yeah, I'm, that's that's the only big one that we need to talk about in terms of retirements for San yeah, Jose. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Uh, no, I, I I I was going to commit to the joke, but Chris Wondolowski. You can't you can't mention MLS without mentioning Chris Wondolowski. Really, uh, he he is the top goal scorer in the division, and he's retired. His role might have diminished, but he still did provide goals. Uh, five goals and nine starts last season. But when you expand that to all of the games he played in, five and thirty-two is not that thrilling. Uh, the rest aren't all that big, so I'm going to skip over the transfers out. But wow, the transfers in they have have been pretty good. Uh, Jan Gregersh, one of my favorite players ever, uh, joins uh, from Minnesota United as a free agent before that, of course. Uh, and Francisco Calvo, uh, not my favorite Minnesota United player, uh, joins on, on a free from Chicago. And Jamiro Montero joins for only 450000 from Philly. Pretty good pieces of business and all relatively cheap deals. You know, they've gotten two former DPs that aren't DPs now. Like, <laughs> that's undeniably good business. Uh, the other big piece of business is extending Chofis's loan from Chivas. Mm -hmm. He was good for them. That's a good deal. Uh, strengths and weaknesses. Strengths, I'm not completely sure where to start because they take a lot <laughs> of shots on target. Seventh most in the league, and they've got some good players in their squad. Nathan, the Brazilian center back, was a great signing for last season. Chofis was involved in 33% of San Jose's goals last season. And Christian Espinosa was a good force on the wing. They also got a player they needed in Jan Gregush, someone that might be able to create chances for them. That brings me to the weaknesses. One of those is certainly their lack of creativity, because that was severely lacking. They created 38 big chances, worst in the league, and half as much as New England who created most. But that's not the worst part of the big chance creation stat. They only converted they they only converted three of those. Yikes. They missed 35 big chances, 92%. They fixed one side of this. They brought in two creative-oriented midfielders in Grey Goosh and Montero. But they didn't fix their biggest issue, which is a lack of literally anyone who had the capability to finish a chance. Like, honestly, Timo Werner would do better at finishing a chance. Yeah, probably. Uh, like, honestly, uh, they, they, they could have used anyone. Uh, I, I still don't particularly rate Cade Cowell to be a clinical finisher. He's still young Ooh. and has a lot of time to develop. I don't think he's going to be necessarily the big guy who's going to change the game and keep uh, San Jose in games. Abobas, he's fine. He only scored a goal in, in 10 appearances. They didn't add any other strikers or at least a reliable one, and I think it's going to hold him back. It is the one clear need I thought they would see and address, but they didn't. And I was so close to putting them in 12th, actually. I was very close Darn, to doing it. we could have had it. We could have I know. Had it. I, I would have swapped him with Dallas for that as well, so it would have been exactly the same wow. there. But I, I, I ended up saying, you know, they, they still have good players on this roster, and I rate them higher than Dallas, Uh Maybe it's the Gregorish effect that's that's taking hold of me, but you know I I'm I'm going with them to finish above them in eleventh place. Okay, okay. I think San Jose are not good. That's why I have them in that basement <laughs> here, the bottom three. Oh, in really? 12th I, th place. I I wasn't sure based off of your placement there. Yeah, no, no. I I do think they have some good players. You highlight some of them. Ibobasi is good. Uh, Jackson Ewell is good uh then you look at uh, their goalkeeper who I, i'm actually a fan of uh, jt 
Markinkowski, Marchinkowski. Uh, and they brought in Jan Gregus, who we obviously are both a fan of. I'm a bit higher on Cade Cowell than you. But overwhelmingly, the roster seems to be full of weaknesses, whether it's their their floor and their ceiling is not high enough to compete at a playoff level. To one of their new signings, Francisco Calvo, who I legitimately think has to be one of the worst defenders that I've ever seen play in MLS. And I, and I don't mean that like, not they're, wrong. they're objectively worse defenders, yes. But in terms of like defender who's like starter quality, he's he's definitely one of the worst I've ever seen. In fact, I think in, in one of the, the, the podcasts, soccer podcasts I listened to way back when, they, they interviewed a, a player and when asked who the worst defender was, they said Francisco Calvo, no hesitation. And so he, he's, just, he's just not a solution. But I think the biggest weakness for San Jose, maybe a hot take, is Matias Almeida, their head coach. He is a, a, a great head coach, ob- objectively. He's done, he's done good things at uh, Guadalajara, at River Plate before that. However, San Jose is just not built to be the team that he wants. He, he needs a team that can spend. He needs a team that has ambition. He needs a team that, that, that at its worst day, is still a good team comparative to the other teams around it. And that's just not the case with San Jose. He's made very confusing moves, and he plays very confusingly, given that we are in a salary cap league that where the margins of error are very, very small compared to if you have a team like Chivas, who can spend money and lower that um, margin of error and so i just think with his man marking schemes with his i like i I don't know if it's all him that controls the transfers but bringing the likes of uh francisco calvo in despite being maybe on the chopping block maybe on his way out at the end of the season i just think that's very confusing and i i everything that we've seen from him before gives me no hope that it's going to be leaps and bounds better despite some good movements uh, in the transfer market. So I have them worse than FC Dallas because I'm more impressed with FC Dallas's moves than San Jose's. So I yeah. have them you wanna, bottom tier. You want to know how well I know you, AJ? What? I specifically left out critiquing Francisco Calvo because <laughs> I know you wanted what? to dunk on him. So yeah, that, that, I, that's that's why he wasn't mentioned in mine. <laughs> and, and boy, did I come at him. Yeah, wow. I, 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 knew you, I knew you wanted to. I know, I, I know you're a big uh, Francisco Calvo anti-fan, so uh, yes, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to give you the opportunity, the honors of doing yes. so. Yes, yes. As I believe it was Russell Westbrook uh, talked about Pat Beverly, who when he said that he keeps on tricking y'all, I have to say, <laughs> Francisco Calvo keeps on tricking these GMs. I don't know why they keep on. At first it was Minnesota, then it was Chicago, and now it's San Jose, and the connecting thread between those three teams is when he was on them, they were all bad. So <laughs> yeah. I'll say about that. All right, Jack, that is all of the Western conference. Why don't you go through your tiers and those teams within those tiers? Just one more time for us. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll go from, I'll go from worst to first as it were. Okay. Uh, I have Houston in last Austin in 13th and FC Dallas making up tier four or the Texas tier. Uh, then we've got uh, Tier 3, which is in 11th, San Jose, 10th, RSL, 9th, the LA Galaxy, and in 8th, LAFC. 
I guess you could call this the California slash the California Utah tier. (laughs) And then you've got in tier two, uh, we've got Vancouver in seventh, SKC in sixth and Colorado in fifth. And then we have the home playoff tier, tier one, fourth place, Minnesota, third place, Portland, second place, Nashville, and topping the West, Seattle Sounders. All right. All right. Uh, For me, I have relatively the same tiers. Uh, Last place for me, we agree, Houston Dynamo. 13th, we agree, Austin FC. 12th place, a bit lower on San Jose Earthquake, so I have them rounding out that basement tier. The next four are the playoff bubble teams where I can realistically see them a challenge for the playoffs. I have 11th place, FC Dallas. 10th place, RSL. We both agree on that. 9th, LA Galaxy. Both agree on that. 8th place, big discrepancy between the two of us. I have the Portland Timbers. And then the next three are the, the teams that I would have in the playoffs uh, as pretty solid playoff contenders. I have 7th place, Vancouver Whitecaps. We agree on that. 6th place, LAFC. Bit of a discrepancy there. Fifth place, Colorado Rapids. We agree on that. And then the top four, which I have as home playoff contenders, maybe contenders for the whole thing. Fourth place, Minnesota United FC, the best team in the country. Third place, SKC. Bit of discrepancy there as well. Second place, National SC. We agree on that. And first place, just like Jack, the Seattle Sounders. Well... Jack, how do you feel about those predictions? We have a little bit of variability, plus the fact that we might just both be wrong on a lot of these. So how do you feel going into the season? Yeah, um, I feel like I might have overrated Portland a little bit, underrated SKC. Uh, maybe, th- th- maybe. Th- those, are my, those are my two uh, worries about it. But otherwise, I, I f- I'm feeling decent about these predictions. You know, yeah. I, I feel like betting on Seattle to do well is pretty safe bet. Betting on Houston to be bad is a pretty safe bet. Uh, So, you know, if if I get the bookends, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I'm honestly pretty afraid about the L.A. teams. You you mentioned uh, Portland and SKC. There's just a a lot of things that can happen with the Galaxy and LAFC that if if I am completely wrong, I would not be surprised in the slightest. So kind of cringe, kind of cringe, not going to lie. All right, Jack. Obviously, we probably did not rate some teams as high as some people may have wanted. Maybe we'll get a lot of angry Austin FC fans. Maybe we'll get a lot of angry RSL fans. Just kidding. We won't because we'll block them all. I'm just kidding, RSL fans. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but Jack, if people wanted to shout at us and they're free too, where can they do that? They can do that on Twitter at Final Third Show. Uh, You know, Talk to us if if we completely messed it up or if you want to praise us for getting our assessment of your team completely right. Let us know. We, we love getting that sort of feedback on it. We love interacting with people on Twitter. Uh, it's it's been great on there. You can follow us on Instagram at Final Third Show. Uh, we pretty much only use that to put out episode releases, though. So uh, uh, not going to get as much there as yes. you would anywhere else. If you want the full range the full range of final third content. You're going to want to go to Twitter at final third show, but AJ, where can they go if they want all of the content in one place? 
Yeah, well, you can get all the links to all of our uh, streaming platforms that we're on, our Twitter and our Instagram, or just look at all the show notes and all of our old episodes. Well, if, if you want to find that spot, that's finalthirdshow.com, our website. You know, a, a good one-stop shop, so to speak, uh, to get all your podcasting needs there. So definitely go check that out. Tell a friend about the show. Tell your dad about the show. Follow us on all podcasting platforms. That helps a lot. You wouldn't even realize. We'll see you guys next Monday for a pretty crazy news and predictions episode. I know I always say that. No, I don't know what's going to happen this weekend, but I know it's going to be nuts. Like something absolutely out of this world is going to happen in the, in the soccer world. Like there's going to be a goal that a goalkeeper scores from from their own goal. Like I don't know. Something, something crazy is going to happen. And we'll see you guys next Thursday for another MLS-themed deep dive, this time going to some very specific predictions that we'll be making. We'll see you guys same time, same place for that. See ya. Bye for now.